Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday, the 21st of January 2015. It's the future. And joining me is assistant editor Steve Withers. That son of a bitch stole my idea. News editor Mark Hodgkinson. Something very familiar about all this. Games editor Mark Botwright. Eat lead, slackers. And audio reviewer Ed Selly. Shark still looks fake. So, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the first weekly podcast of 2015. And uh, we've got lots to get through. Uh, lots has happened while we've been away. Uh, the main thing was Christmas. And how did you enjoy Christmas, Ed? It was all right. It was a bit disjointed. Uh, uh, I'll leave it at that for, for, for reasons outside of my control. But, you know, it was good. I cooked for lots of people. Uh, I was up in my neck of the woods all Christmas. So I'm afraid no barbecuing of turkeys took place this time oh. around. Although my dad still barbecued his. I just wasn't there to eat it. Ooh, um, did well, Christmas at least fall on an eating day? Uh, <laughs> or did you stick strictly I, to it? No. I, I stayed off the 5-2 diet for the duration of Christmas because, yeah, that just would have been far too depressing. For, for the good of family relations. Was it? <laughs> yeah, it, Which was, it, never was, it was all right. It was all right. It was, it was extremely busy. Um, uh, the, the more observant of you will have noticed that it's got a bit quiet for my uh, my reviews over the last oh, I don't know, five weeks but they I, I i dispatched a job lot of them the other day and i'm i'm hard at work on some other ones at the moment so yes but it was otherwise it was it was it was pleasant enough good good and uh, did we get down to playing board games mr botwright no no generally um no one is willing to play because my stipulation for trivial pursuit since i picked up the the little additional add-on set of questions which is entirely football related no one wants to play anymore <laughs> it's play good because much. all the questions were kind of made i think about mid 90s so it's football and history yeah you see my parents have got the original uk edition and every single question is history regardless of the because of the of, of all the things that have happened in the ensuing uh, 29 years um it, oh it's, it's fantastic quite, uh, when you get a question that says name all the countries in the soviet union you know well, well, no, the, the original one has got um what's the closest communist country to the united kingdom as of 1986 which was quite cool um but uh i mean obviously trivial pursuit the the uh, ev- many years ago when i actually played it sober um, I had we had the Millennium Edition where the questions were clearly for people that had suffered serious brain injury, uh, and I did the equivalent of a one four seven break, whereas as the first person to play got all my segments and then went to the middle and won it. And um, and since then I, I've I've not been really invited to play it very often. So yeah, do you want to uh, join my pub quiz team? Um, it's a bit of a schlep, and if it happens it'll on a Monday worth it. or it'll Wednesday. Be worth it. A Monday or Wednesday, I, I'd, I'd have to sit there drinking Diet Coke, which would make me grumpy, irritable, and not much use. Luckily, so. it's on a Tuesday evening, so no problem then. Ah, uh, well, 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 we'll have to see. Shall we'll I try and see. time it in with the Just say no, Ed. You don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love pub quizzes. There's not actually a decent one in Milton Keynes, but going down to you know where Steve lives in the 14th century is it's a bit of a commute. So yeah. Well, you'll yeah. be here for Bristol show, won't you? So we can, maybe we could do it then. <laughs> All right, we'll, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, so, Steve, you get some pussy over Christmas? <laughs> I uh, I haven't got my cat yet. Um, there appears to be a very competitive... We went to the cat's and dog's home. 
much to my surprise, it's really competitive to get a cat. People are in there reserving them and all the really cute ones are gone straight away. So I'm going to have to play this smart. I'm going to have to start monitoring the, <laughs> monitoring the website. It's like um, Black Friday down there. No, it was like... It was like Tearing Black, a kitten in two. Saturday afternoon, it was like Black Friday with loads of parents and their kids all nabbing the best cats. It's so, when you find out there's actually all the people that own takeaway restaurants around your area. It's just... <laughs> I'm guessing that's where the 11 and 12-year-old cats end up. But certainly the cute kittens, they were all going like hotcakes surely so, there's always black and white cats left because it around this neck of the wood that's always it, it, it always rather so it has not a popular color there's always black and white cats and black and white like, cats are the best like ones. with cars certain colored cats go down better than others don't they? yes oh definitely tabby cats disappear in instant but that's you know that's because people are stupid anyway so the plan is now to sneak sneak down sort of thursday in the middle of the night and steal well, no no thursday <laughs> lunchtime when everyone's at school and work <laughs> and hopefully nab the best kittens when they come online <laughs> It's, uh, it's surprisingly, um, you know, you've got to be really ruthless. It's quite a shock, actually. I was thinking it would be nobody there. There are loads of cats looking to, for new homes. But, oh, God, no. It was... Well, conversely, if you come up to Milton Keynes, there is a, a no shortage of cats in the, in the rescue places. So you could go further afield. No, that's not, I'm, I'm, we'll, get, we'll get a cat. Uh, also, for Christmas, I don't know, if, Ed, did you get your Scalex trick set? Uh, I didn't. Although, quite by accident, I met a friend of my friend of my dad, same age as my dad, and he had um, two daughters. And back in the back in the late seventies, eighties, he had two daughters. Are they? He had dead? To, well, he had two daughters when he was as as his children. So he never bought a Skeletrix. He, you know, for whatever gender arguments is, he then. When no, he got a grandson, the present tense though, shouldn't he? he has two daughters? Yes. All right. Okay. Igno- <laughs> sod off. It's just they're dead. He then bought a skeletrix for his grandson, and has become a, like crack addicted to, <laughs> to, to, to spot cards. And no word of a lie has gone on to spend five thousand pounds on his own <laughs> his own slot cards. And do you know what? That that made me feel so much better about whatever issues I have with vinyl and turntables. At least I don't have to turn around in public and say, yeah, I blew five grand on little plastic <laughs> slot cars. I didn't even know it was possible to spend that much. Well, he, now, he built up the whole tracks. He's got like Le Mans and everything. Actually, he's got... Uh, th- this is a moment where I have to say I felt a twinge of jealousy. He's actually laid out one of the circuits from Gran Turismo, the Deep Forest Raceway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And um, and he just has a, it, a and then it, it does appear that you can spend a lot of money on on little plastic cars, which then get broken and fall under the sofa or whatever. But yeah, he, he's spent five thousand uh, pounds, and I still don't have a Skeletrix, no, because my son, it, 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 he's he's pretty destructive on the on the on the singing VTEC plastic cars. He's not really ready for Skeletrix yet, but I'm biding my time. Well, I did buy a Millennium Falcon. Nice. Uh, I got the Revel. The one you mentioned, Mark B. Yeah. Revel snap kit. Yeah. Do you Great. run around the house holding it, going? I I did a little bit. Yes. <laughs> in fact, I was copying the move you see it do in the uh, in the, the teaser trailer for um, the Force Awakens. It was very cool. I'd but like to see it. your YouTube tribute video. Of it. <laughs> I got it sat behind me now in its uh, landed mode, you know, with the feet out and the and the ramp down. Looks very cool. I'm very happy with that. So and it's dead easy to make as well. So, Mr. Hodgkinson, you probably had you probably had well, the most normal compared to everybody No, else. it was good. I had a really good Christmas. We, uh, I've got uh, two girls, six and nine. No, five and nine, nearly six and nine. And I got them. We, we you. Uh, so I cut it for myself, really, obviously. But uh, we, I can <laughs> now pass their presents off as my own. And we've had great fun with that all over Christmas, um, and, and still been great fun with it. So, yeah, very good. 
lots of booze, and then we got the flu at the end of it, uh, and that kind of spoiled New Year. But hey, did it come gift wrapped? Yeah. What what the flu did? Yeah. All right. Got to say, uh, first CES and Christmas period I've gone through where I haven't had any cold or anything. It's been strange. Yes, you are strangely healthy for once, Phil. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that could be a symptom. <laughs> That, that you could be right there, Mr. Yeah, Boy, crippling right. meth addiction or um, If you didn't get what you were looking for for Christmas and you're feeling a little bit left out, um, who am I going to pick on this week? Let's go to Hodge. Hodge, tell us what we can win on the forums. Some stuff. Stuff? <laughs> just, it's safe to say I'm not on that it page. I've all out for you, Mark. It's not that the Oh, did you do it on the, on the thing? Yeah, it's all written well, out for you, you with the looked. dates and everything. You know, you're supposed to I, look I, at your running order. I don't know why I, I bother. Sorry, I, don't I don't know, know why you bothered either, Steve, but that's another question for right. another day. Competitions. <laughs> it's a wider question. Where's that? <laughs> oh, sorry, I, did, I missed the... Uh, sorry, <laughs> I, I went down to Hardware News. I did read it from Hardware News. I can miss that. Sorry, right, okay. Uh, latest competitions. Uh, we have Saving Private Ryan on Blu-ray. Another Blu-ray, which is the Man With No Name trilogy. I don't know anything about that. That's basically a box set of a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good, ah. the bad and the ugly. The good, and the bad and the ugly has had a brand new 4K remaster. Uh, it's one of the best films ever made. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's a fantastic set, worth getting, worth winning, definitely worth winning. And if you haven't, if you don't win it, go and buy it because it's super. Hodge, you sound really like Steve. Yeah, yeah, I know, impressions are uncanny. Yeah. An uncanny impression. I Obviously, been practicing over Christmas, yeah. and b- both of those are uh, open until what date? Twenty ninth of January. Cool. And then running out on the fifth of Feb, we have Sound Magic E One Ten S. Sorry, Ten S. Yeah, fantastic earphones. Really very good indeed. If you're not interested in winning Blu-rays, go off and try and win those. Excellent. And, and, I've, and I've got to say, your, your head impression's good as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ventriloquism uh, over Skype's <laughs> easy. I feel, another Steve, I feel another Steve impression coming on in a second. And we have uh, a Yamaha SRT1000 soundstage, which I believe is a new product that Steve is about to get for review. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. Yes, I haven't reviewed it yet, so I can't really comment any further than that. But um, there will be a review going up. <laughs> Soon. Yeah, wait wait to see what Steve says. Well, it'll definitely be going up before this uh this competition ends. So uh yeah, before you enter, wait and see if it's any good. <laughs> it looks quite good from the pit from the pictures, doesn't it? Well listen, uh, Matt Yamaha have been making sound bars for a long time uh, and they pretty much invented the market. So, you know, they do them really well. Uh, it's like their my... first sound plinth, then, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's one of their first sound base plinths, whatever you want to call it. So let's move on to hardware news and our final thoughts. I think we need to wrap up on CES and just get it out of the way and forget about it till uh, the next podcast. Um, we haven't heard from Ed and we haven't heard from uh, Mark B. So, uh, Ed, obviously you've, you've seen the, the vast amount of content that went on AV forums. Anything pique your interest? Um, do you know what? It's the first CES in a while where I thought that there was as much that you know the 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 genuinely big and interesting news was actually happening on on the on the av side of things two channel ticked along don't get me wrong some some interesting products have broken cover but i i i I genuinely felt that the 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 big audio video brands for want of a better description actually took ces back yeah this year for the first time in god knows how long and there was there was stuff that you know was of you know more more you know, more home cinema based interest. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are still all of the warning signs. You know, we've got lots of new surround formats that apparently require you to have totally different, or not totally different, but significantly different speaker positioning for to to. So you have to pick and choose, which strikes me as suicidal. But hey, I think I think we could see some 
in inverted brackets movement on that well if they have any shred of commercial savvy yeah i think we ought to um and i i just do you know what it's not so much any specific item stands out as they're just being confident and sort of bold moves forward across the various categories i mean i still don't think you know, I'm still a deep, deep-rooted pessimist. I don't think that 4K Blu-ray is going to be anything other than 21st century Laserdisc with equivalent pricing. That's and funny. All. That's that's what we said last week, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> In the exact wording. Well, I'm. Do you know? As I did listen to that podcast, you know, <laughs> I, I I suspect I, I may have subconsciously stolen it because it's a lovely turn of phrase. Yeah. But that you know, it it it's at least somebody's trying. At least with you know, trying to trying to trying to push forwards. Also. And this may be me not digging deep enough into um, into into all of the releases, but I didn't see anything where it was a case of all. I mean, obviously, there's a, a bit of stuff going on with you know 8K around the the, the the absolute sort of fripperies and margins of stuff, but for the most part, it was stuff announced has direct technical bearing on just about the art of the possible now which i thought was quite i think quite that's, that's one of the positive things I, i'm sure steve will back me up on this it, genuinely um i think a lot of a lot of the companies um just because they want to get back into the black they're, they're saying right enough's enough let's agree to do it this way let's agree to do this let's agree to do that and it seems to be that the vast majority of the, of the industry seems to be working together which yes. hasn't yeah. happened for a long time well, and the last time they did, they came up with DVD, and amazingly enough, that was really successful. Yeah, so fingers crossed that, that we're going to go somewhere with with that. For the first year as well, there was there was a couple of new innovations. One of them we didn't find till the last day, and then sort of kicked ourselves because we thought, oh Jesus, there's this huge hall here called Eureka Park with all the startups and all the 3D printers and all the rest of it, and we didn't even know it existed because it's now over in the Sands um, Expo area, not in the main convention centre. But the other interesting thing, uh, Mr B, was that for the first time ever, there was actually a games area and a big emphasis on Oculus Rift and VR gaming, um, lots of that going on. Yeah, um, obviously the emphasis very much on the technology at the moment, Um from Oculus Rift's point of view, it's it's you know uh, dev kits, revisions, that kind of thing, in, incremental improvements. But obviously, with kind of you know the big backing of Facebook, they're trying to kind of get it out there and known and get kind of drum up interest in it to kind of I don't know push it beyond the the kind of small sphere of gaming and towards well what they can kind of deliver with regards content. Um, and that's really kind of the, the slightly disappointing thing about all this which is you've got oculus rift um razor showed their open source virtual reality kind of as a, as a cheap alternative there are lots of different um kind of permutations on how you can get this stuff shown and and how you'll get it in people's hands but there's very little information about what kind of content we'll be seeing how it'll be delivered and you know with facebook they were talking about potentially like virtual reality tourism and education and that kind of thing. So, you know, from a technological point of view, it's all very interesting at the moment. Um, They're obviously still trying to get past the early stages, which is how to stop people getting motion sickness and that kind of thing and how to get the price down. Um, Certainly with Oculus Rift, 
things like the, the fold down headphones, little things like that actually do make a, a big difference and, and kind of a 3D positional sound. Uh, but it will really take off when you'll know whether it's kind of a goer for the long term is when we see something of real worth shown other than just tech demos. You know, showing someone wandering around a three-dimensional space is great, but you have to have a reason for them to want to go out to buy that to experience it because otherwise it's just going to be a kind of little novelty that will be on a show floor. I've got to say, really disconcerting. Wearing, uh, wearing the headset if you're just not used to it. Um, I think the one For thing... all you know, Phil, you could still actually be out in Vegas. And <laughs> no, because the resolution is pretty piss poor, to be absolutely honest. The, the resolution is what let it down, I think. Um, mm. But it's disconcerting when you're wearing it, and um, I'm trying to remember what it was I was looking at. It was, it was Lowe's, wasn't it? It was um, how to design a bathroom. So yeah, the, you're, the you're actually standing in the bathroom in. and you could look around and see how the suite would look in a given space and that kind of thing. And I felt dizzy. Um, it's just really strange because you haven't got the usual visual cues built in there. Um, but resolution-wise, you could tell it was, it, you know, it wasn't real. Um, they've got a long way to go with that. Yeah, I think I think with regards to the actual kind of nitty-gritty of the display technology those will be the kind of final revisions when they get kind of major bumps at the moment it's just a question of stopping people feeling sick i mean there, there's been basically everyone seems to talk about acclimatization but if, if a product has to kind of if you have to take a certain amount of time to just get used to it you know how do you display that to people how do yeah. you really get them to kind of jump into something like that you know a bit like with kind of 3D glass, so look at like, just like the 3D effect on Nintendo's little 3DS. You know, all the early stories were about eye strain and that kind of thing, and people saying, well, if you give it a couple of hours or you, you know, slow, gradually, you know, kind of push the slider up, you know, that doesn't really grab people's attention in the same way. Um, they've got to make it comfortable and they've got to show people there's, you know, there's, there's a real reason to have it. I think what they need to do is they need to get it down to the size of a pair of specs, I think. Um for it to for it to become mass market anyway, um, that resolution and um, there needs to be something about the visual cue. It, it's really strange because a lot of our um, cues as, as to how we're standing and where we're positioned come through the ears, obviously the fluid in the ears, and that was one thing I noticed straight away was how you know, I w I wasn't sure if I was standing up straight. Um, wasn't there a special yeah. treadmill that, that was there? Not in, not in the one that I tried. I just tried the headset on. There was uh, these tread pads and all the rest that they use for gaming and, and such, Mark, and they look yeah. really, really cool until you realise you've got to do some work to play these games. That's, yeah. that's, that's not going to be popular. <laughs> no, well, the omnidirectional treadmill, that is the kind of exciting thing, and also with regards some kind of um, motion kind of detecting peripheral, anything like that, so you could have a gun that you can actually kind of point in real life and then it'll show up on the screen. That at least gives you some kind of a visual cue as to where you are, as to how you're moving. Um, I, I think it, it's it's the same, though, in some ways, the, the first kind of first-person shooter games where people would always say, well, you look down and you can't see your legs or, you know, you, it, things feel floaty or how, how heads bob from side to side, little things like that. Um, it's a, it's a question of acclimatisation, but for some people, they will always, I think they will always feel that, that sense of motion sickness in there. Yeah. What did you think, Steve? You, you, you tried the one as well, didn't you? So what did you th think? Yeah, it was very, yeah, the, the effect was quite striking because, you know, you put them on and suddenly you were standing in a bathroom and not in a, a you know, ballroom in a hotel in Vegas. The resolution wasn't there, as Phil says, but the, the effect was very striking. You really did feel like you were there. And then, of course, you start to feel disorientated because, you know, you realise that you, 
you're not actually in there. I think if it had sound effects that sounded like a bathroom and that's some ambience, it would have made it even more realistic and, mm. and transformative. But um, it works. It definitely works when the resolution's high. It was going to be awesome for gaming. I think the uh, the treadmill will also be really cool because you'll feel really feel part of a game. But um, do it on your own because you will look a prize tit doing it in front <laughs> of anybody else. What's interesting is that, that um, I don't know if anyone noticed this, but uh, Google have quietly dropped Google Glass. Yeah. Um, yep. I noticed at the weekend it was in the papers that you know yep. they just because <laughs> no one wanted it. So it'd be no, they said no, no, no. Let's be com- to avoid litigation. Let's be clear on this. <laughs> they said the development phase is complete and they're garnering what they've learned and moving forwards on that. What they're moving forwards <laughs> to, they will not be drawn on. But apparently, this is not the end. It's the end of the beginning. I, I, I've only ever seen two or three people wearing um, Google Glass, and th- that was at CES, not this year, but the year before. And they look like tits. And if you're wearing something and it makes you look like a tit, you're not going to wear it, are you? I don't know. That wouldn't explain why skinny jeans <laughs> became a thing. But it's not the thing with with that Google Glass, the, the fact that other people felt uncomfortable about it. Yeah, well, that's well, it. I feel just the person yeah. wearing some it. people in skinny jeans. It hasn't stopped them. <laughs> <laughs> Let the skinny skinny jeans go, Ed. You'll never get into them. Just leave How it. do you feel about winkle pickers, Ed? <laughs> With I've sc- not put as much thought into that, if I'm honest. <laughs> but you know, it's just people, it's like, I don't need to see that. It's horrible. So skinny <laughs> jeans, hipster beards, tattoos. Uh, hipsters, basically. Wearing, basically hipsters, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of... Right, so, um, see, yes, I think, Ed, you hit uh, Neil and Head, and I, I, I think it's it's just reflecting what we said yesterday, our, uh, yesterday, last week in our CES special, and that is that for the first time in a while, and certainly uh, in my my personal side of things, since 2008, you know, the first CES I went to, it was really exciting. There was lots of things happening and all the rest of it. And it kind of, the economy died and, and the show kind of died with it. And it, it just seems to have trudged along over the last few years just to remain relevant. But this year, real signs there that things are moving ahead, Steve. And in terms of TV, really exciting stuff coming. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is what was it, my fifth fifth uh, CES, and certainly aside from the first one, which obviously was exciting because it was my first one, this is the I think the first time I've come away feeling like there's some really really cool technology coming, and they're not just treading water and and recycling old ideas. You know, I think I think high dynamic range, um, I think uh, quantum dot, I think a wider and more immersive um, uh, standard for television is is really exciting. Uh, I think there's some great looking uh, LED LCD TVs coming as well as OLED, of course. Uh, and I'm personally excited about the concept of um, more immersive sound systems, even though they are currently setting themselves up for a massive fall if they don't get together and agree some sort of coherent and agreed set of speaker placement positions because you just can't go out with three different um, formats that require three different speaker configurations. It's just going to be suicide. I, th- I think a lot is going to depend on what uh, DTS announced in March and their system and setup um, that may push one or the other. To, uh, and, and also it's going to count on, on it's going to rely on studio support because yeah. at the moment you've got um, I think four Atmos discs and zero at, or in terms of movies sorry four movies on with Atmos soundtracks and uh, and no uh, Oro film or sorry no Oro discs with um, rather sorry no movies with Oro soundtracks available on Blu-ray so you know, we need to see some support. Does that mean the studios are all lining up by DTS? Don't know. We'll find out in March, I guess. But uh, without the support, it's just going to die anyway. 
there's a couple of hundred uh, movies with Atmos soundtracks now. And I noticed that three different films were nominated in the Oscars who had Atmos soundtracks for sound design. So there's definitely uh, you know, content to be released if they can get themselves together and, and actually do it. And the question whether it is now is, will that be with Dolby True HD soundtracks or will there be somewhere delivering an Atmos experience through DTS? And I guess that's what we need to wait and find out about. Um, talking about... Uh, Dolby Atmos and Aura 3D. You had the uh, X5200 through from uh, Denon. Um, your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are it's an absolutely fantastic receiver. It's um, it's basically the same in terms of its uh, in, you know in terms of its architecture and internal architecture as the uh, Marantz SR709 that I reviewed um, just for Christmas. Uh, the big difference is it's got a bit more amplification, a bit more power, but basically they're they're very much the same model, which makes the Marantz itself a fantastic bargain less than a grand i think it's available for 999 pounds now this is a bit more expensive 1699 um but uh if you like denon it's it's a classic denon denon receiver it's got everything you could possibly want on it in terms of bells and whistles it sounds great it looks great it's dead easy to set up uh very easy to control very flexible um and it's got both atmos out of the box and if you pay 130 quid roughly 120 quid you can get auro 3d as well now, I've got both, and I have set up both, and I have listened to both. Um, luckily, my overhead speakers were close enough to being where the height speakers would be for an Aura setup that I could basically kind of, you know, um, fudge the two. Um, as I said a few minutes ago, in terms of content, that's the big problem that Aura's got right now. The Aura, the Aura demo disc is great because it's actually got some movie clips on it, which is more than the Atmos demo disc has got. But, I mean, I do have two Atmos movies currently to listen to, which is um, um, Spendables 3 and Transformers. Um, wow. Uh, Age of Extinction. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Gravity's coming out in a month, uh, less than a month, actually, uh, next month, so in about two weeks, three weeks. And that I'm looking forward to because that, that should be a real test of what Atmos can deliver in terms of um, surround sound experience. Um, but as it is, stands at the moment, at least there are a few Atmos discs. There are no Auro movies, well, no movies available with Auro soundtracks. There are um, music discs available with Auro soundtracks but not any actual movies. Now, in terms of the experience, um, both but they, they take different approaches to deliver a similar sensation, which is that you feel more immersed within the sound. Uh, I'm using what's effectively a 9.1 Aura setup, so that means there's um, four height speakers, but no overhead Voice of God speaker, whereas with the um, Atmos setup, I'm using uh, 7.1.4, so normal seven surround speakers, and also four overhead speakers. Both of them work very effectively. I, I think the the demo that you saw, Phil, with uh, I think it's called um, was it um, Awaken or something, the one with all the forest and the thunder yeah, and yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, that's really impressive at home. Really, really impressive. Um, but by the same token, the same exactly the same demo that we watched uh, in that hotel room in Vegas, Aurora, I watched uh, myself at the weekend, which is the one with the tractor going past, the one with the helicopters flying overhead. Uh, and again, sounded fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And so did the movie clips that I watched. In fact, I'd say the movie clips were a little bit more subtle in their sound design than, um, which were from, all from um, DreamWorks animation um, films. So Rise of the Guardians, The Groods, and um, Turbo. Very, very effective. And, and as you pointed out, some of the demos we've seen with actual film material for um, for Atmos, I think they've, the design designers have been a bit over the top in terms of some yeah, of their sound been design. Mixed, mixed a little bit hot, a little, Sora, bit, a little bit too much. Hey, listen to me. I'm right. I fantastic. I saw an interview with uh, Peter Jackson uh, only this morning, actually, talking about um, Atmos, uh, the Hobbit premiere, the last Hobbit film. And they've used Atmos in all three of the Hobbit movies. And he said, we've learned each year 
how to be more effective with it, how, how, what works and what doesn't work. So clearly it's a learning process and it will take time. But um, I, I mean, I, I, what is really good with Aura, I've got to say, one area where it is very strong is if you don't have a lot of content and it doesn't currently, the up mixer is really effective. And, and again, I could do the same demo we did um, uh, before with, with Auro, where you, you can take a mono um, piece of music, in this case, Heard It Through the Grapevine by Marvin Gaye, and when you add the up mixing, it just makes it f the sound much fuller, more, fills the room in a way that you didn't think was possible. So uh, it could be a very effective way of um, adding, um, changing your listening experience for um, music, but also you can yeah. do the same thing with movies too. And I watched Red Tails. I was checking out Red Tails because there have been rumours that Red Tails actually did include an Aura soundtrack. It does not, for the record. Uh, it's only got DTS and there's no PCM soundtrack there, so there's no way to deliver it because it's delivered in the PCM soundtrack. Um, but even so, with the upmixer on, it did sound pretty impressive. Um, pity about the film. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so I mean, both are interesting. Both are exciting. Uh, you can find ways, I think, of doing both soundtracks as I have, both sort of formats as I have, you know, with, with a little bit of fudging going on. And I think we may have mentioned last week, and certainly it seems to be the case that the overhead speakers for Atmos are sort of gradually moving a bit more towards the sides, which makes them more like height speakers in an Auro soundtrack. Why. So maybe there's a bit of convergence going on there. And, and as you said, Phil, we might find that DTS converge that even further. Yeah. But um, yeah, both, I mean, from the point of view of the Denon AVR um, X5200, great, great piece of kit. I'm impressed that it can do both already. I do not believe it will be able to do DTS, though. And that's the rumour that I've heard. I mean, I can't confirm that yet, but apparently not. Um, but certainly the fact you can do both Atmos and all already is pretty impressive. Um, it, it sounds great. Well, it does it very effectively. Right, it's see, very flexible in terms of setup as well. That could be a nail in the coffin for DTS if it's not easily um, upgradable or firmware flashed onto these things, uh, receivers that exist already. That could be a big uh, nail in the coffin yeah, for it. Yeah. Because having everyone gone out and bought new ones, they're not going to be too predisposed to going out and doing it all over yeah, again. Yeah, just, just, just to have DTS, yeah. no, they're not going to do that, are they? So, yeah, yeah, that sounds a bit... Mm. Right. What um what I do like about the Denon is um apart from the fact it's been they've um Denon Amaranth and the DNM group basically have done have recently or in the last year or so really made an effort to simplify their receivers so the back panels are a lot more a lot simpler in terms of both the layout of the um, speaker terminals and the amount of in, in you know connections you need they've concentrated more on HDMI quite sensibly and less on legacy stuff that no one really uses anymore anyway. Um, their setup is very simple. Their menu system is easy to navigate and looks good. Um, that the um, remote app's excellent. You can also control it very simply through your tablet just by putting in the um, the IP address. Uh, again, that works really well. Very flexible in terms of setup. I've got the currently set up in a t an eleven channel setup, so I've got um, so for, I can do seven point one point four Atmos, where I'm running the front two channels off of a, another um, of, a, of a Cambridge Audio power amp. So because it only comes with nine channels built in. And it sounds absolutely superb. It's like, and you also got Odyssey as well for in terms of um, um, setting it up and calibrating and you know, EQing the room. Great sounding receiver. I love it. It's absolutely superb, and I think well worth the money. Okay, everybody else can wake up now, and uh, let's move on to upcoming reviews. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more of uh, Atmos and this receiver uh, next week, Steve, once the review goes up. Um, right, so coming up for reviews, uh, you're still talking, so you may as well tell us what else you got. I've got, um, well, I've already, as I previously mentioned, I've got the Yamaha STS-1000 coming in for review. SRT, uh, you mean? Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. STS is um, the code for uh, Space Shuttle. <laughs> I've also got BenQ W uh, 1070 Plus 
projector. So we have actually reviewed the W1070. This is a, a sort of a newer version. Cool. Uh, Mark, what have you got, Kevin? Fan bars. <laughs> 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 I've got, to be more precise, I have the Philips HDL5140 soundbar and a Goodman's uh, Aspect, is it? Something like that. It's one you can, you can stand on its end, apparently. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you can, so you can, you can position it two ways. You can have it in front of the in a normal sort of horizontal fashion. Or you can or stick behind? it behind. Yeah, presumably behind. It's, it's a not good really old good men's it goes both ways, eh? And then uh, um, a Finlux, a mystery Finlux TV that's been delivered. Ooh, mystery Finlux. Yeah, yeah, they don't tell me the model numbers. It's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> mystery star prize well, yeah. you just come out you just walk outside your front door in the morning it's like oh god there's another one yeah but it is quite a lot like that <laughs> well you say that uh, just before we came on um i had two knocks at the door two different couriers both delivering what i think are pure jungle wireless speakers why there was two couriers and two packages i don't know it could be just the same thing delivered twice who knows um so i've got one speaker in each maybe uh, so I've got that coming up in the next week. And uh, what have we got coming from you, Ed? Um, there's a number of things that have been uploaded to the CMS already, so they can go as and when uh, you see fit to release them. There's an all-in-one streaming system from Kabass, uh, which if you are struggling to justify spending sort of £800 on a name music, you may find an interesting uh, read. Uh, there is the best Bluetooth streaming device i've yet tested uh, i won't say any more than that um and then uh, there's another product if you are currently looking at av receivers or indeed any other form of amplifier and you are about to decide not to go with it because it doesn't have a usb connection um the f- the product there's a, a very interesting little product it's nothing to look at it's all about what it does and how it does it uh, and that will be um going online as and when the powers that be decide uh, and uh, as of yesterday, uh, I finally managed to get Yamaha's RXV667 plugged in and running downstairs. Uh, so that is at the non-Atmos and extended surround end of the market. But it's uh, what you, it's one it's going to be a num- uh, one of some AV receivers at, at more sort of terrestrial prices that I'll be looking at, and some at less terrestrial prices. Um, so that that's uh, will be in 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 some sometime in the future. Okay, <laughs> um, probably the and end then of the some month. other items in, in the in the pipeline as well. Yep, cool. So we will look to the end of January and the end of February for them. Um, right, uh, Mr. B, uh, you did you've done two buyers guides so far: uh, Xbox One and uh, the PS4. Uh, both been very very popular. So do we have anything else coming uh, in in that kind of vein? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Niall's been looking at the kind of only real alternative to those two if you're after something that's kind of more of a graphics powerhouse which is should you buy or potentially build uh, a gaming pc mm-hmm. interesting yeah well i mean it's obviously if, if you consider the kind of multimedia functionality of the consoles well the, the pcs are a more open format um yeah there are lots of lots of reasons that you should go down that route but then i shall be following all that up with um one about the wii u <laughs> Really? Yeah. And yes. He well, won't be drawn into criticism of a, no, obviously no. A, a device he likes very much. No, uh, look, I, I think there are now some genuine, very, very strong reasons to be looking at the Wii U in a slightly different light. I think it's 
all bar the price now is perfectly placed um, for just a, a kind of excellent additional plus one console. I really um, admire your blind optimism on this one. <laughs> well, you're doing all right just, now, Steve. Says, just, says just the man with the 4K Blu-ray fixation. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we're going to... No, I mean, seriously, if we get into... Uh, are, we, are we doing games news now? Uh, no, I haven't done the jingle yet, but... <laughs> no, exactly. We'll do the jingle and then I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's the jingle. Segwayed X, excellent. <laughs> Right, there you go. That was your jingle. On you go. Right. Well, I was going to save this one for last, but I'll stick it in first. Uh, that came out wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> the Amiibos. The the funny little figures that, you know what, I ridiculed them as much as anyone else did. Um, kind of silly little figures that you can pop on the near-field communicator on the gamepad on the Wii U. Um, so little pop little characters into games like a Super Smash Brothers. What they've sold 2.5 million in the US. And just consider that. And, and it's since been looked at, and that seems to be almost twice the amount of copies as Super Smash Brothers itself. So they're selling a huge amount of these things. If you're selling each one at, at what what's it about, kind of $15, yeah. you consider what they're doing. And then look at just just the amount that they're going for for rarer figures. It's already built up this kind of huge little mini economy. The ones, bizarrely, the ones that have, sounds wrong, but the ones that have deformities go for ridiculous amounts on things like eBay. Um, Are the deformities all... accidental? Oh, yes, yes. No, no, they're, they're, they're not doing it on purpose. It's just kind of weird right. little kind of, you know, it's it's like, like anything, kind of uh, some kind of strange manufacturing oddity comes up well, with yeah, something. But with... offs and seconds are always worth you know, that's it was stamps. It's the ones that they screw it up that people get excited about, isn't it? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, but these things function in exactly the same way as the as the general figures. Um, they're already talking about adding that function to to different titles. Um, Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, which I'm I'm reviewing at the moment, um, will hopefully have that in as well. So, you know, as as much as we've all enjoyed ridiculing the Wii U, other than the price itself. Everything else is kind of falling into line. Yeah, I would agree. And, and, and those amiibos, my, my daughter wants one. She's six at the end of the month, and she wants uh, a Princess Peach. So I don't, I'm not really that familiar with what they do. Is it some sort of NFC thing, Matt? Yes. Yep. Just a little chip in them. So, um, as I say, with like with things like um, Super Smash Brothers, uh, so you would bring another fighter onto the screen by which figure you place onto your pad. But what, so why why would you need a Mario? Because he's in everything. That's a good point. Anyway, don't bring logic into this argument. <laughs> it seems to be characters that are already there, so I don't understand what it what it brings to the table. But I'm sure there must be something. I'm just I'm missing the point. You know, the sales continue to grow um, as well. The, the games on the system. I mean, that's that's a that's a major part of Nintendo's strategy. If you consider, you know, everyone always talks about the number of consoles sold, but first party titles are where they make their real money and games on the system uh, up 75% when viewed against December 2013 so you know there's there's kind of healthy signs of growth for the console there and now that it's it's kind of it's almost like it's hit tipping point where it's finally got a catalog of titles 
that's diverse enough and also unique enough, the kind of titles that you don't see on other systems, yeah. that you can actually say it's worth the purchase. It's got that local multiplayer element, hasn't it, which is great for families, but the others two lack, really, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Okay, and uh, just to quickly wrap up on the game side of things, uh, the games podcast went out a few days ago. Uh, as always, or as tradition dictates nowadays, uh, the first... Uh, podcast of the new year you look back at the year just gone so best game of the year 2014 did you all come to the same conclusion at the end um no no <laughs> I, I think that i think that would be putting it mildly um that there were conversations um we had um in a thread about it there were conversations we had before the podcast started and there were conversations afterwards and Broadly speaking, we couldn't come up with much common ground there. I think ultimately that's that's kind of the tale of 2014. It was the year of, you know, functional games, kind of perfunctory shooters and the like, and the kind of general slight disappointments. There, there wasn't much revolutionary in that year. Uh, that well-known leader of men, general disappointment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is that games news? I think that is games news. Okay, uh, moving on, and uh, what's at your home cinema, Steve? Yeah, I didn't actually get a chance to go to the movies this weekend. There was a couple of films opening, like American Sniper, but I just didn't, it was my cup of tea, to be honest, so I didn't bother going. Um, there are some great movies coming out next weekend, which I will go and see. But uh, instead, I watched a film that I picked up on Blu-ray while we were in um, in Vegas, Phil. It came out in the States a couple of weeks ago. It's coming out, to, uh, well, as of uh, this week, so Monday just gone in terms of when you're listening to this podcast. Um, it came out on Blu-ray in the UK, and it's called Boyhood. Now, I, I watched it for two reasons. One, I really wanted to see the film, but also um, the Oscar nominations came out last week, and Boyhood I picked up six nominations, I think it was, and is a front-runner to win Best Film. Having seen the film, I, I can completely understand why. It is almost unique uh, in terms of cinema. The film was shot over a period of 12 years, um, largely in secret, I think. I think most people knew it was in production. But So you followed the cast, and predominantly the main character, from the age of about eight or nine through to 19 when he goes to university. Uh, and it, it, it is quite remarkable to actually watch uh, a young boy and also his sister, who was actually the daughter of the director, Richard Linklater, watch them literally grow up in front of you uh, as the film, which lasts uh, 245 minutes, but you, it doesn't feel long at all. I think I've read some reviewers saying you know, it drags or it's boring. Not at all. Uh, suddenly if you've got no, no imagination, no ability to watch a movie of length, it takes its time. It's you know, it's stuff, it, it tackles real issues. I mean, the mother and father at the beginning of the film are divorced and um, the mother meets another guy and gets married. He turns out to be a bit of a drunk and then so on. There's other marriages and things like this. But it's all very realistic. It all feels very natural. The kids are extremely natural and very good. Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette played the parents. Ella Coltrane is, is the kid. You see Ella from, from age of eight up to the age of you know, 20. Um, and it is, it's, I, mean, I can't think of it, unless you perhaps watch the Harry Potter films, all eight of them in order in one day, then you, maybe you'd get a similar effect of seeing kids growing up in front of you. But this is within a single film. And it, it is absolutely incredible. I mean, at the end of the film, I really felt like I had just lived through the life of this family. Um, it was quite, quite, um, it was very, it was moving and really had an impact on me. I mean, we think about it a long time afterwards. 
watch it on Blu-ray. It's, it's it's a great film. It's a hell of a commitment, though, isn't it, for for actors and so on too. Well, but massive risk because what happened if the kid had died in a car crash or something like that halfway through filming? Well, you just change the storyline, don't you? Well, you'd have to bring that into the storyline, <laughs> yeah, and have the kid. Yeah, well, you would. You would have to rewrite it, having the death impact on the parents or something like that. Yeah, but, I, I was, uh, was, I was thinking more about the fact that the guy, you know, you got to get good actors to start with. Yeah, you don't want to find out after year three that he's actually he's not really carrying yeah. the role, you know. Also, there's a danger that, you know, what the kids are like, they can suddenly look at Hayley Osman, went from being quite cute looking to being very weird looking. <laughs> so that could have happened. He doesn't, he looks kind of like normal all the way through. But it's it's uh, it's a, an incredible conceit, uh, uh, beautifully realised. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, you know, you'll never have that, having seen it, I've never had that experience again. And this is the one-off thing. Um, but uh, I, I just thought it was an amazing, very brave and courageous, you know, courageous concept. But uh Beautifully realised, wonderfully directed and written and, and acted, and uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. Uh, I might even pick that up myself, or I may wait till it comes on uh, uh, unspecified streaming service. <laughs> on a streaming service. <laughs> uh, streaming services are let's, available. <laughs> let's move on quite swiftly uh, and go to next week's Blu-rays. There's two out. Uh, tell us about them. We've got two. One of uh, which you and I both watched on the plane, funnily enough, what we did on our holidays. Uh, which is the uh, a comedy set in uh, well takes place predominantly in Scotland uh, with David Tennant and Rosamund Pike and Billy Connolly and uh, I've got to say I, I saw the trailer for it last year and thought that looks a bit rubbish I won't bother going to see that but really enjoyed it I thought it's written by the people that were well, written and directed by the people that write and direct outnumbered I don't know if anyone's seen that TV show but clearly this was could have been outnumbered the movie but they um, the kids are too big now to do that so they've obviously recast but again they've, they've cast very natural kids a bit like boyhood they've got some very natural kids um the film's quite funny it doesn't uh doesn't at the end it doesn't i don't you can agree with me if you're here it doesn't uh cop it cop out at the ending no it's, it's not it stays it's not, true to its concept yeah it's not preachy in any way but it, it's got a message there and and well there's a number of messages there and the main one is that if you spend all your time arguing you actually miss what's going on around you yeah. and yeah really nice story and i've got to say really funny i mean i haven't laughed mm. as much in a, in a long time in fact i was laughing that much that people, it, you, both you and she was what are you watching what are you watching we have to watch this <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah it's well worth seeing um and the review is already up on the site i believe yeah I simon, simon crust with the review um and the other film that came out which i also bizarrely watched on the plane was the equalizer which is denzel washington playing the same part that was made famous by edward woodward uh on tv uh, and it's okay. It's you know, it's um, the concept is the same, but obviously he's a. It's kind of a, a sort of an origin story, really, because he starts off as being this ex special ops guy who's now working, um, quite leading a quiet life, working in a in a hardware store. You know, in a big one of those big like B and Q type hardware stores. Ends up helping a, a teenage prostitute, um, and then sort of um, from that develops. In you know, at the end of the film, he's, you know, he starts doing what they're doing in the TV series, basically. But he's one of these guys that's trained in lots of different ways of killing people. So one of the conceits of the film is he doesn't actually kill anyone with a gun. He always kills the people with what's available in the room. Um, he's pretty much indestructible and kills everyone he meets. So you know, there's, there's not much tension in it really. In terms of you just know he's going to kill everybody. But uh, Denzel Washington's always watchable, uh, and you know, uh, as a as a sort of no-brain thriller, it's 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 fine. I, I quite enjoyed it. On it filled two hours on a plane, which is what I wanted it to do. I think Kaz has already reviewed it. Um, I think he gave it like six or seven. I don't think. Yeah, it's not a masterpiece, but it's it's enjoyable. I think. Um, you see, what's putting me off is it's not Edward Woodward. You always thought there was a bit of vulnerability there, and that 
Well, that's know. it. You see, there's 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 no real vulnerability to it. Therefore, you don't feel like he's ever in any danger. He's always so in control. You know, Denzel, he's, he's all tight and everything's in control. And he, he knows exactly what he's doing. And therefore, you, you don't feel like he's ever threatened. It's the same problem I've got with watching Lucy. And I know you watched on the plane as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, it's first, first never half, really in any, any danger. Yeah, in that but film. first therefore, half of that no film is is like, oh, this this could this is going to blow me away. This this is really interesting. And then it just <laughs> went nuts. Went nuts. And basically, you think, oh. What a disappointment! But Luke Besson, I mean, he always does that, doesn't he? So I think the only film where that that doesn't happen is Leon. I think that's the only film I, I, I'd actually say where he's successful. And I've got a soft spot for Fifth Element, but um, no, Lucy, well, what a shame because it started so well. Yeah. Um, so I think the Equalizer, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of the film that's been made five or six times now by Denzel Washington, mostly with Tony Scott, the late Tony Scott. You know, you think Man on Fire, something like that. Um, although Man on Fire was a much better film because in that, <laughs> you know, he's in danger a lot of the time. And I think you can kind of buy into the revenge uh, concept. This here is more sort of protecting people, as, yeah. as it's a TV series. But um, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, I think as a kind of film that rather than buying on Blu-ray, I would probably just watch, watch on a plane on a little seven-inch screen and you kind of make out what's yeah. going on. <laughs> or on a streaming service. <laughs> No names. Right, let's move on quickly. Um, we are into 2015, and uh, if you picked up on the quotes at the start of the podcast, you'll know that we were quoting from Back to the Future Part 2, which was um, so accurate in its depiction of 2015, I think we'll agree. Um, we're all uh, driving about in flying cars, and um, did you notice that in Part 2 there was no mobile phones, no tablets, no internet? There was at least... Um the big TV screen with uh, with multiple channels that kind of wasn't too far from reality. It was a, scen- a scenery channel, wasn't it? Which does yeah, exist. yeah. <laughs> that does exist. You can download it. When I bought myself one of those uh, fetching uh, sort of steel, tiny helmets that uh, what's his chops is wearing if. in the future before the uh, before the the uh, hoverboard race. I, I don't have a hoverboard, obviously, but I just thought it it set off my ensemble nicely. Well, I mean, this year we should be getting flying cars, Nike trainers that do the uh, the power laces. Um, what else should we be getting? We should uh, Mr. Fusion. Back. Let's face Mr. it, Fusion. Mr. Fusion would be the coolest thing. I mean, let's say flying cars. People have enough difficulty with cars that operate in two dimensions or three dimensions, whatever. You know, just uh, having having them being able to like whip around like aircraft. And I, that I, I just would envisage a life trapped indoors to avoid bits of rain and death falling on my head all the time parallel parking on a three-dimensional plane (laughs) (laughs) Uh, rehydrated pizza yeah that never happened Um, there was at least one thing right there was that big pile of old laser discs in the background (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that was like 20 years after it actually happened wasn't it um (laughs) was there anything that, that they did get accurate they don't have 4k <laughs> thumbprint, thumbprint identification. That's kind of true. Now my phone does that, so I suppose on the door, yeah, to open yeah. the doors. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that yeah. one. Uh, was it supposed to be yeah, a no. serious predictive piece? No, it we'll wasn't. It, <laughs> <a bit laughs> of fun. it wasn't a documentary. <laughs> of course not. But it's there has quite, to be it a Jaws nineteen. Yeah, it is quite funny though. You know, even though it it it, it was filmed in nineteen eighty five and the trilogy went through to eighty nine, um, no mobile phones. Because mobile phones were, were the big thing in the eighties, it, it was going to be the next big thing. None of that, even Star Trek got that right. Um, Star Trek had tablets too. 
Yeah, that tablets too. Uh, internet, there was, there was no sign of the internet in the future. Yeah, that just didn't exist at all back then, did it? I think mobile phones, the thing was that, that they were considered, they were at the time, very expensive, very big, very bulky, and not very portable. I don't and, think it was that. I, think, I think it was just a case from, from a script writing point of view. It's the same as why all thrillers tend to kind <laughs> yeah. of generally ignore it because we'll get it rid just of the mobile phone as soon as possible. Yeah. Oh, no, we can't get a signal. You have yeah. to establish well, that early, otherwise you just kill all the tension. If, yeah, if, 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 if the DeLorean had stuff. run solely on 100, on 100 octane fuel, there wouldn't really have been much in the way of a challenge in getting back, would there? In the original <laughs> I don't think one. anyone could have foreseen a future, though, where most people in India have a mobile phone, but most of them don't have a toilet. That just <laughs> staggers them, you know, what? <laughs> Somehow everyone's you, got a mobile phone. You mean phone a running phone. toilet? You mean a yeah, pump, a flushing toilet, sorry. Yeah, they've got a hole in the ground, but that's not quite the same thing, is it? I'm not sure. Well, are we now supposed to discuss areas where we feel that the future was well portrayed in uh, film? Well, that's that's where I was going with this, Ed. So obviously, you know, Back to the Future, it was a comedy trilogy. You know, you don't take it seriously. There's so many big, massive plot holes. and Right, so moving on, there has to be some films that, you know, had, had a prediction of the future, which it's gotten pretty close. I'm just struggling to think of any. I'm struggling to think of one at the moment. <laughs> Definitely not Logan's Run. 2001... Yeah, failed miserably because it had moon bases and missions to Jupiter by 2001. Not even close. Well, the, the, we have, but we have got a space station, though, so that's kind of like... But I, I guess if you if you look at the thinking of where that was, and I mean, after C. Clark got a lot of things right. You know, he predicted yeah. a lot, especially satellites and so on. You know, a lot of what he predicted did become the case. And if you look at the space race back in the 60s, and and the early seventies, you look back at that, the Cold War and all the rest, and the pumping billions of dollars into into that. Any of us would have said, "Oh, by you know twenty twenty whatever, we're going to be on the moon." You know, two thousand and one. We'll I, be on I the think moon. that that's because film, the majority of science fiction films, particularly, say a lot more about the time they were made in than they do about the future that they're trying to predict. Yeah. What they are is a snapshot of where people were thinking time. So, for example, if you look at Escape from New York, when that was made, New York was an absolute dump. And, and, you know, you can imagine it turning Manhattan into a massive prison just because it's such a shithole. <laughs> if you look at um, uh, if you look at uh, Blade Runner, you know, it was predicting a future where Japanese corporations would be dominant because at the time Japanese corporations were becoming dominant. You know, acid rain, overpopulation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, hasn't really gone that way. In fact, if anything, Japan, you know, Japan's actually kind of, you know, been eclipsed by its neighbour China now instead. And, and actually so Japan's when... probably one of the greenest countries on the planet in terms of recycling. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. One of the films I can think of, though, which has been pretty accurate in some respects, has been Minority Report. Uh, which, certainly uh, the whole gesture-based stuff. Yeah, and I also mean, the target advertising that, that kind of absolutely crazy. But to be honest, you could do that with what you have lying around now if you wanted, really. There's, there's a bit of that in iRobot as well, I think. A few of the bits and pieces there are... And the car designs were, were, yeah, were yeah. kind of pushing it in the right direction. And certainly things like, you know, self-driving cars, but that is our reality. Uh, now, you see, but um, it wasn't the self-driving car. If we're going to give anyone credit for that, it's got to be the Johnny Cab in Total Recall. Not least <laughs> because the Johnny Cab is also small, boxy and shit, like all of the self-driving cars that were being shown as well. Without the bones, there being a, a weird disembodied torso that yells at you. <laughs> I would love it if they actually did make a Johnny Cab. That would be brilliant. um i don't know steve if you've seen the um it was actually taken in late 2013 but there's a photo taken in beijing and it just looks like blade runner 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you mean probably not Beijing? I think you're talking of Shanghai. Yeah, well, one or the other. Enormous. Yeah, Shanghai. If you go to Shanghai, like in the rain at night, it's like being on the set of Blade Runner. It is apart from the flying cars. It's you might as well be. Yeah, you know, you're there. It's amazing. And same with Hong Kong too. My first time I ever went to Hong Kong, it was raining really heavily. It was nighttime, and I just stood there and thought. Oh God! This is just like Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the same can be said for Middlesbrough, you know, on a dark, <laughs> dark cold. You laugh, but that's, you laugh, but that's where he got a lot of his, um, a lot of his uh, inspiration because he's from the northeast and Middlesbrough with all the, uh, the gas plants and stuff burning off. Yeah. And he got a lot of that from there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, one of the films that was kind of ahead of its time, although uh, in some respects and others not so much, but I really love is Silent Running, which was very, you know, pushed the whole eco agenda long before it was ever trendy. Although why they were sending the plants to Saturn is beyond my, yeah, beyond my, near the sun, <laughs> not away from the sun. But uh, other than that, strange thing, I loved the Huey, Dewey and Louie were fantastic as well. The, the robots in them were actually brilliant. And, and obviously a precursor to R2-D2. Um, that, I love that film. It Sorry, does work. Really cool I love runs. Logan's Run. When I was 10 years old, Logan's Run was like, yeah, do what you like. keen on 30. it now, surprisingly. Yeah, once I passed the age of 30, I'd have been a runner. I wanted to be a Sandman so badly when I was a kid, though. I wanted to go around and just shoot runners. <laughs> it would have been like my dream job as a child, just killing people. Would you have worn the jumpsuit? That says oh, a lot. That, I thought it looked really cool back then. That says a lot about your childhood. <laughs> well, my dream childhood job was to go around killing modern people. people yeah, <laughs> yeah state, state sponsored that... murder was the only thing I wanted to do as a child. <laughs> One film Frankly, that does does that. worry me in terms of its potential accuracy is Idiocracy. Yes, I have to say I look at certain people now attaining positions of power, fame, and responsibility, and it's like, oh god. Um, so yeah, yeah that, that, that worries that, me. <laughs> yes, that could be very prescient, unfortunately. We haven't heard from the other two. I can't, I can't remember any films. I can't, I can't think. Attack on the future that you haven't talked about, really. Uh, you have all day to prepare for this, Mark. So I know, but I don't. I, I don't watch many movies. I can't remember. I honestly can't think. I can't think of an example. I'm sorry on this one. Now, when you said <laughs> Silent Runnings, I was just thinking of Cool Runnings for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would be a happy future where John Candy is still with us, taken before yeah. his time. I confess, I've just I've just typed in some 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 you know points for the for the for the internet to provide me some answers. Another one, and I have to say, I've never never watched a single second of it because it did nothing for me. In it, but one film apparently that gets an awful lot right is supposed to be AI. Yes, but I've never watched yeah. it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got it quite close um, with Doctor No, wasn't it? Where he goes and asks that computer questions. That's basically Google now um another film i've got to say that's quite accurate in some respects is gattaca though about you know genetic engineering that that's kind of deaf we're definitely going that way in terms of uh i think a time will come when either people will genetically engineer their kids or you won't be able to get insurance policies if you've got certain genetically disposed diseases that that kind of stuff i can definitely see happening a film that's not necessarily prescient but well made to the point where it hasn't aged which is one of the rare things with sci-fi sci-fi is one of the few things obviously that ages dreadfully but alien if you watch alien apart from the computer screens that film has not aged at all you could yeah. it could have been made yesterday yeah i, I agree with you on that one that's uh, and i watched it quite recently yeah and, me too uh, yeah and, <laughs> and it's yeah yeah it, it's aged really well I mean, obviously, we could all be living in the Matrix, which would therefore make the Matrix. I've got accurate. to say, you know, in, in terms of ideas that really blew my mind when I saw that back in 99. Yeah, 99. That, that film blew my mind. And it's probably the last film 
after Jurassic Park and Star Wars where I'd, I left and I had to see it again and I saw it again four or five times. Absolutely blew my mind out. No, the, yeah, I, I would say that was a great uh, example of timing though as well because kind of end of the millennium, there there was so much around about kind of, you know, the millennium bug would kind of destroy humanity and, you know, planes will fall out of the sky. Everyone was kind of on a little bit of a kind of David Icke trip at the time and I think that just perfectly kind of tied into it all. <laughs> A David Icke trip. Love it. <laughs> I don't remember there being that many lizards in the Matrix, if I'm honest. <laughs> but you never... I, do I need to watch the extended cut? <laughs> the extended lizard edition. Yeah, you don't know. Could be the royal family controlling it all. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> I look at some of the absolute assholes running for parliament in a couple of months' time, and I can't help but think that shape-shifting lizards would be preferable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least we haven't publicly given the shape-shifting lizards a chance. They might be worth a go. You know, if the Illuminati are that bloody smart, can we not have some people that aren't absolute just <laughs> being sent sent for public office, please? I understand you're alien invaders, but what's your tax policy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your rules on immigration? <laughs> Aside from, obviously, alien immigration. <laughs> it's 2025. Where are we? You've got one tech innovation. Uh, what is it? What, what are we going to have in 2025, uh, Steve? I, I think uh, the area where we'll probably there'll be real s- strides made will be in artificial intelligence. Okay, uh, Mark, Hodge. I think I think the smart home will be a reality by then. So you'll you'll be able to control your your whole house through your phone. Um, I'm going to say 4K Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be silly. Ridiculous. <laughs> Mr. Borrowing. Harnessing of kind of kinetic energy, that kind of thing. You know, they're they're planning on putting things in like uh pavements and the like. I think I think that will be a major thing. Okay. Uh Mr. Selly. Uh I'm gonna say holodecks, which means that humanity will also be heading for extinction by the year twenty twenty five, as we'll have given up on social interaction or the actual business of procreation and we'll just be living out our own sordid sex uh, fantasies in a grotty little shed. Yeah, well, I've, no, I've only but, said to like 10 years in the future and I think out of all of them, Ed, you're probably the closest because I think we're on that track right now. Yeah, social interaction be damned. Yeah. No, no. See, someone's got to man the help desks, though, for when they go wrong, <laughs> when there's an error report. The last remaining humans actually procreating will be IT men. <laughs> Badly, I might add. If it doesn't work, they just turn themselves off and back on again. <laughs> and on that bombshell, that's it for the AV Forums podcast this week. My thanks to Steve Weathers. 2015? You mean we're in the future? Mark Hodgkinson. Broadcasting beautiful views 24 hours a day. You're tuned to the Scenery Channel. Mark Hodgkinson. Give us our ball back. And Ed Selly. He's in a 46 Ford. We're in a DeLorean. He'd rip through us like we were in tinfoil. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Plus, you can also leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. (laughs) 